I'm not afraid. Are you? The Watchman Speaks discusses biblical solutions to modern day dilemmas. I'll tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel. I pray you listen. Welcome to The Watchman Speaks. I'm your host, Lonnie Richardson. Last week I shared with you about the month of Tammuz and the attacks brought about by the enemy and his minions during this time. Remember, I warned you to hold tightly to God in your worship and praise, or you may find yourself polishing a golden calf. Well, here's the rest of the truth and the truth in whole. Even when you hold tight to God in your worship and praise, the attacks will come. Notice that I said worship and praise in that order. There is order. A lot of praise leaders get the two mixed up and place praise before worship. It's no wonder. Their job is to lead the body of Christ into praise. Worship, on the other hand, is a responsibility that is yours alone. While I'm thinking about it, initiating praise on your own during the days that you're not sitting in a church service would probably be a good idea too. If you fail to do that, particularly during this season, you may find yourself bowing to the storm or polishing a golden calf. What am I talking about? Well, on Friday, June the 16th of this year, my lovely wife underwent retinal surgery to correct a fold in her retina. That fold was smoothed out, and a bubble of gaseous material was injected into her eye to hold retina in its proper place. She underwent this surgical process prayerfully and trusting in God's providence. That's when the attack came. That's when things went south, quickly. The intraocular pressure, the pressure within the eye itself, began to rise sharply in the affected eye on Saturday. Saturday night, the pressure caused headaches and migraine proportions, which caused projectile vomiting throughout the night. On Sunday, Father's Day, I contacted her surgeon who agreed to meet us in his office within the hour. There she received two injections into her eye and another needle to withdraw some of the gas from the bubble that had been injected into her eye during surgery two days earlier on Friday. We returned home but we saw only minimal improvement, if any at all. We returned to the doctor's office on Tuesday. The intraocular pressure was still two and a half times greater than normal, and the pain and nausea that she was suffering was still ever-present. Three new prescriptions were added to the already four in the regimen. She returned to the surgeon's office on Thursday for a follow-up and possibly an additional surgical procedure. For a fact, the ocular pressure was now three times normal range and the surgeon sent her immediately into surgery again. When she came out of surgery, she was no longer feeling the pain of increased intraocular pressure. There was some soreness and some bruising, but no pain, no headaches, no nausea. By Friday, when we went to the post-op screening number two, her appetite had begun to return, thankfully. 
Over the past eight days, she had lost eight pounds. Now, she's a little woman, and unlike me, she doesn't have eight pounds to spare. But she is eating again, and she is beginning to get some of her strength back. Now, the vision part is what we're waiting on. I believe that it will return to complete restoration. We'll have to wait longer still to find that out. Now, do I enjoy seeing my wife in excruciating pain that causes nausea and vomiting? During the course of seven days, she had lost eight pounds. Do you think that I in any way enjoyed seeing that? No, I did not. But I did recognize it for what it was. It's an attack by Satan to steal my joy, kill my resolve, and destroy my faith. He knows that I hate seeing my wife or any member of my family in pain. It breaks my heart. Their anguish is my anguish. His purpose is to convince me that God is powerless to help me or them. If he can destroy my faith and my hope, he has won the battle. So why is God punishing my wife with this cruel and painful malady? Well, I tell you, God is not punishing my wife. She is being attacked by an enemy to weaken or destroy the resolve that we have in our faith. I'm reminded of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Did you catch that? All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Remember that. His purpose is not necessarily our purpose. What does that mean? Well, what if you're called to do something that is exceedingly difficult or not possible? If the faith required to do that difficult something or the impossible is not strong, then the mission of a person who is called to for his purpose is likely to fail. Such is the case that we see in Job, when God set Job as an example to prove the devil wrong. You remember that? The devil said basically, of course, Job loved God and obeyed God because God had given him so much. God had given him everything. God said that Job would love him and obey him even if Job had nothing. And such was the case. Job suffered the attacks of the enemy. Now, Cheryl and I have faced a good many difficult battles. And I've given a summary and review of some of those battles in the past three episodes of The Watchman Speaks. If you missed the summation of those battles, go back and listen to them. I see no need to recount them here. What does all this mean? Through the pain, discomfort, and uncertainty, I've never ceased worshiping and praising God. I've never ceased praying. I continued being faithful, knowing that he too will remain faithful. Things looked dismal at this particular time, but I know that God has never left us. We will sail through these stormy seas in faith that God is still with us, period. No other option considered. I have not diminished my time in prayer, worship, and praise. I have increased that time. I will not bow to the storm or to the battle. 
My God is greater than the battle, and he is certainly greater than the storm. As I said last week, when Jesus spoke to the storm and calmed the wind, he asked questions. Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? No, my faith is substance, substance in the hope that is yet unseen. This situation with Cheryl and her eye will pass. It may not pass when I want it to or the way I want it to, but it will pass. And it will pass, and we will be stronger to achieve his purpose according to his calling. Sometimes waiting is hard. We get frustrated. We become afraid. We get impatient. We decide that God is powerless or isn't listening, and we try to fix things ourselves. I understand the predicament. But to stand firm in place with your feet planted takes discipline and resolve. Really, when I think about it, it's easy. But at the same time, it's hard. At some point in time, you have to let go and let God be God. Another case in point. Take this podcast, for instance. If you told me three years ago that I'd be doing a weekly podcast sharing God's Word and how I study His Word, I'd have laughed in your face. First, I didn't have the hardware. I didn't have the computer that would serve necessary needs to produce a podcast. I didn't have the soundboard or the microphones or the software, any of that for that matter. On top of all that, I simply did not have the knowledge to achieve such a thing. Oh, but God. God miraculously provided all those things be obtained for his purpose. Now, I admit I didn't see it at first. Initially, I thought, and I saw those purchases as means to accomplish other projects that I wanted to accomplish. And some of those projects have been accomplished. But the idea of the podcast kept lingering and growing in urgency. I argued with God over the matter. I argued with God. No one will listen to it. No one, not even a lot of preachers, are going to want to dig into your word for this kind of understanding, knowledge, and wisdom. Looking back, I can see that to some extent I was correct. It was something that I was initially ill-prepared to do. And I'm not peddling the idea that I have more understanding, knowledge, and wisdom than most other people. I can say that the study I have partaken in has greatly enriched my life in this forgotten understanding, knowledge, and wisdom have been brought to light that I've never heard coming out of any pulpit or seminary. And I argued with God I'll never be able to sustain such an undertaking. Well, this is the 26th episode, and there's no indication that things are going to slow down anytime soon. Many has been the time thus far that the next episode was due the next day, and I had nothing nothing to share. Then in the final hours, Holy Spirit of the living God would awaken me and direct me in what was to be shared. Doing research, I can see that many podcasts die within the first 30 episodes. So I think I'm doing pretty good. Looking further still, a great many succumb altogether within the first 50 episodes So I still have a way to go, it seems. However, I have made it farther than many others. Why? Because they didn't get the recognition they thought they should get, or they simply ran out of steam. I personally do not worry about recognition or fame. 
No, Cheryl and I are spending money out of our pocket to get this done. But we remind ourselves constantly that it is God put that money in our pockets in the first place. God did not call us to be famous. He called us to be faithful. Now the watchman speaks is not breaking any records in his growth. Not yet anyway. It is our contention that if what is conveyed here helps one person, just one, then all the time and effort and financial expenditure is worth it. Just one more. Oh, I've had offers for financial assistance from outside sources. However, they wanted that I submit them a plan of monetization and marketing to them first. Well, as I said, this is not what I planned. And I have no intention of monetizing or marketing, putting money in my pocket or anyone else's for that matter. Holy Spirit is fully capable of bringing who he deems appropriate to bring. That, in my opinion, is where a lot of churches are failing. You see, the gospel is the gospel. The gospel doesn't change. Yet churches think that they can present the gospel in a way that is more palatable and draw more people. In doing so, they develop programs and presentations that draw people to the program and the style of presentation instead of drawing people to the gospel. Oh, yeah. Sometimes in presenting those programs and presentations, the gospel gets a little twisted. Not good. To maintain resolve and perseverance requires faith and the source of the initiation of that faith. The source of initiation for this podcast is a personal calling. It takes time, prayer, work, equipment, and faithfulness. In reality, it's really quite easy, but it's hard. I get a lot of flack and criticism at times, even from the beginning. I've been referred to as an Old Testament geek. I like to study the Old Testament. I like studying languages. I study words, cultures, customs, traditions. I sound a shofar. I occasionally wear a tallit or prayer shawl. Just the other day, I received a new tallit that Cheryl had ordered for me prior to her surgery for Father's Day. It is a beautiful, hand-woven wool tallit made by a craftsman in Jerusalem. Oh, I've been called everything from Sir Lawrence Olivier to a Jew boy wannabe for sounding the shofar and wearing a shawl. It requires a thick skin in this society to do so. Yet that is part of my calling, and I will be faithful to the calling. I pray for those who dismiss what I am doing or ridicule me in their ignorance or lack of understanding. John the Baptist was dismissed by a lot of religious leaders because he was different. And why do I say that? Because it's true. Listen. The more I understand what transpired in the Old Testament, the better I understand the New Testament. Usually, what I find playing out in the Old Testament, I will see playing out in the New Testament. However, I should add that in many cases, it is manifesting in a reverse order than it did so in the Old Testament. I hope you caught that. Understanding what God said in context, with the people that his word was delivered to, is vastly different in many instances than the way of what God said is portrayed or conveyed today. Vastly different.
and very few want to hear that. Brings me to my next point. Outright rejection. Occasionally I'll post something on a social media platform or add to a conversation and many times I get blasted for my blasphemy, heresy, and apostasy. I have to think to myself, am I continually wrong? I don't believe that I am. Mostly I get comments from students or wannabe students correcting me on how I should interpret the scripture. But I'm certain that I'm quite correct on my stance. First of all, I do not believe the scripture needs to be interpreted. I believe the scripture is the truth. The truth is truth. And there's no need to be interpreting the truth. When you interpret truth, you twist the truth, making it subjective instead of objective. In doing so, one can make the truth anything they want it to be. Such is the danger of interpretation. I can't tell you how many times I've been told, well, we just interpret the scriptures differently. Well, I can certainly agree on that. I even had one young man tell me simply, you're merely delving into semantics. Semantics. Really? Let's look at the definition of semantics according to Oxford Languages Dictionary. Semantics is a branch of linguistics and logic concerning with meaning. There's formal semantics, which is the study of logical aspects of meaning, such as sense, reference, implication, logical form. There's logical or lexical semantics, which is the study of word meanings and word relations. There is conceptual semantics, which is the study of the cognitive structure of meaning. Simply put, semantics has to do with the meaning of a word, phrase, sentence, or text. So when I'm referencing a word, phrase, sentence, or text, you'd better believe I want to know what each word means when it's from Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek. Not only do I want to know what those words mean, I want to know what they meant in context in which they were given. And I'm talking about scripture. That requires understanding of the culture, the history, the circumstances of the time, and the people to whom those words were delivered. Without that, one can assign an English interpretation to however they choose. Which leads into another problem that I've run into in our current society. New words, phrases, and meanings of those words and phrases have taken a new life within certain groups and organizations of the time. New definitions and meanings are being applied to and are overlapping old definitions and meanings of older words and phrases, greatly watering down the meaning of words and phrases to mean anything anyone wants to apply to their narrative. That's dangerous stuff there. Why is it dangerous? Well, how about the fact that no one knows with any certainty what anyone else is talking about when words have a diversity of meaning or an ill-conceived structure of application? One can defy truth with their own subjective views because what is being said is not what is being conveyed. It is a source of deception. Does anybody remember who Karl Marx was? How about a foundational figure in communism and fascism? Karl Marx once said, he who controls definitions has the power. Anyone from the baby boomer generation should have clarity of understanding in that statement. The rest of you who do not know who Karl Marx was, I suggest you go study your history. 
So do I delve into semantics, you better believe it. I understand also that I delve into many other aspects, such as culture, heritage, customs, tradition, and scripture itself. Few care to put in that much effort into finding out what did God say. Most of the times I hear, I don't believe that, I believe this. However, when asked to convey why they do not believe that and why they believe this, most people are incapable of defending what they believe or they are unable to define with any clarity what it is they do believe. It's discouraging. It's frustrating. Heartbreaking. Anguishing. Kind of like watching your wife suffer in pain. Still, I continue to worship and praise God for he has been faithful to us. Storms in life are coming. Trials are coming. Your faith will be tested again and again. Not necessarily by God, but by the adversary leading you to think that God is testing you. The devil will lead you to believe that God is powerless in your current situation. The devil will lead you to wonder if God is hearing your prayers, receiving your worship and praise. The devil will attempt to convince you that there is no God. If that happens, you lose, and the devil wins. To overcome requires faith that God is still God. Not faith in yourself, not faith in a president or some political party, not faith in some preacher preaching prosperity and life on Easy Street on television or the radio, faith in God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and Holy Spirit. You are called to fill His purpose, not yours. Do you have faith and perseverance to fulfill that purpose? Do you truly love God and His purpose for your life? Let me say that again. Do you love God and His purpose for your life? Now recently in regard to Cheryl's dilemma with her eye surgery, our faith is being tested. It is not the first time it has been tested, nor do I suspect that it will be the last. My faith is being tested in producing this podcast. I am tested and challenged at almost every turn. I hear people say that it'll never amount to anything. I hear people say that I'm wasting time and effort. I hear people say that I'm not who or what I think I am. And for all those naysayers, let me say, be careful that you do not believe everything you think. I do not believe what I think or what you think. I believe in what I know. I know that faith will be challenged. How do I know? Because greater men than I will ever be have had their faith challenged throughout the entirety of the Bible. Yet they stood by their faith. They stood firm in what they knew. That's not to say they fully understood what they knew or fully understood the promises that were to come. But they stood firm and could not be swayed from their faith. Listen. My faith and Cheryl's faith have come under fire recently. I recall how three Hebrew young men stood in the fire with a fourth that walked in the fire among them. While alone, that fire gets pretty hot. But we are not alone, for the fourth person is with us yesterday, today, and forever. If you think or believe that your life as a Christian 
or even as a non-believer, is going to be easy, think again. It seems that it's easy for others, and others may have it easier than you do. Jesus said unto Peter, when Peter asked him about John, What is that to you? Peter had his own road to walk, just as John did, just as I do, just as you do. As I'm gathering my notes, I'm unable to tell you how things will pan out for Cheryl and me over the next several days or weeks. I can tell you that our faith is unshakable in spite of what we are experiencing, seeing, and hearing in the physical realm. Our metal, our character, is being forged, tempered, strengthened, and sharpened. But for what? I'll tell you. It's to see the manifesting of God's power in fulfilling our purpose for His plan. Without that kind of faith, we cannot fulfill that purpose. Without that kind of faith, we cannot please Him. I expected the attack that I'm seeing manifest against my wife and I. Why? It's the fourth month of Tammuz. It is a month in which attacks come regularly and fiercely in God's Word. I cling to our faith, worshiping God and giving Him praise, even through this battle that she's facing, that we face together. I don't have enough faith to polish a golden calf or some idol. So I ask you in closing, what kind of faith do you have? Do you have the faith to face the strongest storms or the fiercest battles? Or is your faith untempered, soft, and weakened so that you'll turn from your faith and seek your own golden calf? Just a question. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel. Again, Concerning faith, you have been warned. Well, that's all for now. I thank you for your time and participation. Our time together is precious to me. Please, come and visit me at theoldwatchman.com for show notes, articles, video content, book reviews, Bible study material reviews, and Bible study methods. It's my hope and prayer that you get to know me through this podcast. Through the website at theoldwatchman.com, I can get to know you. If you like the content, consider following The Old Watchman on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time. May nothing in your life be missing. Nothing in your life be broken. Shalom.